RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thursday Night Livestream. This is a special stream. Normally would have been on Fridays, but you guys know I'm going to be heading out of town this weekend. Uh, tonight, I am joined by a couple of very special people. You know, sometimes you guys experience those God moments. You, you end up someplace and you think one thing's going to happen and something else entirely different happens. When I went to the Moment of Truth Summit a couple of weeks ago, I just happened to go outside at a particular time, and there was this nice couple out there talking in a circle with some other people, telling their story, and I was like, I gotta meet these guys and see what's going on. And here we are tonight. They are Jamie and Patrick Carter, and the story that you're about to hear is not too unfamiliar. It's tragic, but at the same time, they took what happened to them and they turned it into something that I think is going to have a major impact. Certainly help a lot of people. So do me a favor. Don't forget to like and share the broadcast. Help us by getting it out there on your favorite social media platform. We're live over there on Rumble right now, Getter, The Foxhole, and Pilled. Also on Odyssey, Clout Hub, Pure Social, and I think even a couple of other places. And sponsoring this broadcast. And please, without further ado, join me in welcoming my guests for this evening, Jamie and Patrick Carter. Jamie and Patrick, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having us on, Mr. Payne. Awesome. Zach is fine. Zach is fine. (laughs) But thank you. I appreciate the formality. You guys look great. Uh, I just want to tell everybody, this is the first interview that Jamie and Patrick have done. And I feel honored to be able to host them to tell this very important story tonight. Uh, So once again, you guys, it was great meeting you at the moment of truth. I thought that, uh, you know, if there was only one reason that I showed up there that weekend, it was to meet you guys, because I think you have a really important story. Please give us just a little bit of background about who you are. I'd like to start by asking, when did you know that you wanted to be doctors? I think I was like 17 or 18 years old working in the, uh, and just in case, I just want to say thank you again. This is greatly appreciated and not trying to cut off from the question, but this is quite the blood thing. So you have free reign to say whatever's on your mind tonight. So I appreciate that. And don't even worry about it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I was working in the emergency room as an ER tech and there was a physician and I'm only able to say this like this because uh, part of going through, you know, the interview process for medical school, this is a kind of a common question. So it's something that's like kind of cemented in my mind now. But there was a physician during a code and somebody was uh, uh, having a heart attack and the whole room was just super chaotic. And except for the physician, it was just kind of standing there just like this pillar, you know, just directing traffic. And um, I was very impressed, very impressed with it. And uh, my mom and stepdad both are in the medical field and it's something I was always um, around and uh, was very used to. I think kind of in that moment, that was a moment for me. Like I enjoyed the interactions. I love 
uh, serving people. And, uh, but it was in that moment, I was like, man, this would be awesome. I mean, he's just the calm in the storm. And uh, so I want to become an ER doc. That was kind of my moment. <laughs> awesome. And, and Jamie, how about you? Yeah, mine was a little bit longer process. Uh, I was always interested in healthcare, always interested in anatomy, science classes. And uh, I was, I went to a chiropractor all my life. It was my chiropractor that encouraged me to pursue that as my career. So I went to Logan College of Chiropractic. I practiced for six years when I met my husband. He's the one that encouraged me to go further. I've always enjoyed continuing education part. And I went back to expand my knowledge base to keep learning, to help patients in any way. And when I met him, he I knew what his dream was. It kind of became one and he encouraged me to go back to school. Awesome. And how did you guys meet? I was practicing um, at a clinic that was near Scott Air Force Base, and we met through a mutual friend. Yes, sir. It was, uh, it actually was a, it took twice because the first time <laughs> I was very much, uh, I was very excited. I'm going to stop my bad. <laughs> she took your breath away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. And, and were you serving at the time? Uh, yes, sir. I was stationed where I still am uh, in the military um, at Scott Air Force Base. And it was that's near St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And um, she was practicing there and I was stationed there and uh, very blessed to have a friend introduce us. Awesome. Well, it's a great story. So let's talk about your experience in medical school. Um, <clears throat> when did you first begin to know that something was going to be a miss. Uh, was the conversation surrounding the jab uh, always something that you were going to be able to choose to do? Or as soon as it was announced, did they let you guys know that you were probably going to be forced to take it? It wasn't something, I mean, there was a vibe there that uh, that kept people, or at least the people that I interacted with, let me state it like that, from having the uh, safeness to be able to just speak openly about not wanting to take it. So there was something there that I don't have the words really to classify or state what it was, but there was a fear. And early on, uh, we started reaching out to professors way before the mandate had come down when Trump was still in office at the time in 2020. Uh, it was something that we were bothered by, uh, just the vaccine in of itself, and started reaching out to the CDC to try to get more information because we couldn't really wrap our heads around uh, the rushness and um, the particular vaccine and its mechanism of action. And it just, I know might not necessarily be answering your question, but there was something there that was a hesitancy that just kind of kept snowballing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that. Mm-hmm. So, in in general, um, as somebody in the medical field, I mean, uh, are you a proponent of vaccines, or is it you know that you don't believe that you should be forced to take any vaccine, or is it something about this vaccine or this series of vaccines? Um, a little bit of both. To the last two, I don't think that they should force you to do anything. It should be a decision between you and your physician. Um, and your research. So I don't think anybody should be forced to. 
Yeah, I agree with that. But I, I think my position has definitely changed. All of the events that's kind of taken place over the last year has just led to so much research on our part uh, for whatever that's worth. But as far as my opinion, it's so many things are, I wouldn't say that I'm against vaccines, but at this point, it's not something that I foresee myself ever taking another vaccine. Mm -hmm. What was it about the COVID vaccines initially that gave you hesitancy? Yes, sir. The, so the COVID vaccine is unlike any other thing in medicine, except for one. And if I say this is going to sound super hyperbolic, it's not because of the danger. It's not because of the outcome of this, but it's just uh, the events surrounding it and the way it comes to be. But the only thing comparable to the COVID vaccine is assisted suicide in the way that we see it. Please uh, elaborate on that. Yes, sir. Um, So your body uh, and medicine in all medicine, even if it's uh, cancer, radiology, I mean, everything is acted still within the parameters of your body's authority. You know, we're, we're body is designed to take certain paths and to do certain things. And until uh, the COVID vaccine um, or I guess assisted suicide, nothing was against the authorities or uh, your biological processes. So it all still worked within the parameters. So your body would say, hey, guys, we're going to go up there and take two steps to the left. And medicine would help you get up there and take two steps to the left. Well, with the COVID vaccine, it's coming in and saying, I know your DNA, I know your body's saying to go two steps to the left when you start walking, but we're not going to do that anymore. I'm in charge now, and we're actually going to go in reverse. And so it just goes against the the natural course of the human existence, um, just by the way, the mechanism of action, the way it actually functions. And so that was something that was pretty deep seated within us pretty quick. So what is it about mRNA vaccines that uh, that you find to be so dangerous and so, uh, I guess, outside of the boundaries of what your body normally does? I mean, I think a lot of us have a lot of ideas about it, but I think it's interesting to hear it from somebody with a medical background. Um, so DNA, if I if I could take a step back to answer that. So DNA is what separates all of us. It is what makes me and my wife, my wife and I, excuse me, uh, different. It's just the expression of our DNA. You and I being different, it's just the expression of our DNA. And our DNA is that command, that authority. And if you're a religious individual, that is God's uh, tangible uh, will, tangible um, of just who you become to be. Sorry, I don't have the word for that, but it's just, it is your essence in uh, a tangible form. And so with the DNA being very clear, the if you're going to get infected by a virus, there's only one thing when you just really boil it down. There's only one thing your DNA is telling your body do not do, and that is do not make viral proteins. And it has a lot of processes to get there, you know, whether it's trying to kill the virus at a certain stage or trying to keep it from replicating or or whatever the case may be, but the sole goal is to not replicate, do not make viral proteins. And it's extremely, I think, beautiful, actually, the word I would like to use, because 
your body actually does it in such a way that COVID-19. Um, so the virus is actually has a cell in your body that recognizes it prior to you ever being infected with it. So your DNA has already created this cop, if you will, that's roaming around looking for something that it may never even find. And so if you become infected with this virus and this cop in your body, this cell comes in contact is saying, okay, hey guys, we need to attack this and get rid of it so that we don't make viral proteins. And that's all within your DNA. That's the authority, the essence of who we are. Um, and if, again, if you're created, that is, in my belief at least, that is what God deemed me to be. And my DNA says, do not make bioproteins. So this vaccine is unique in the fact that it is telling your body that don't listen to what your DNA says. Full stop. Don't do what it says. I... I guess pick a company, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, am now saying that we are going to make viral proteins. And so at that point, it became a dichotomy. Like, is my body right in a religious sense? Is God right? Or is Pfizer right? And when we stood at that uh, crossroad, or I don't know, I want to speak for you, but when I stood at that crossroad, it was, uh, to me, in, my, in our unique you know, position, um, we had to go left or right. And, um, I don't know if I hope I answered that. No, I, I think I understand, you know, I mean, and I, and from my research, uh, you know, you mentioned this actually in the uh, introduction video that you had sent me, but I mean, there is a change in your DNA when you take this MRNA vaccine or jab, whatever you want to call it. Cause it's not really a vaccine as far as I recognize it. I know that they changed the definition of vaccine so that it would fit the definition of vaccine. But I don't know of any other vaccine that when it's given to a subject will go into various cell systems in their body, be it like the liver or their glial cells, and then start replicating itself and replacing your own DNA and your own mRNA uh, and pumping more of itself out. Uh, and I'm certain you've seen since you decided that you didn't want to take the jab, uh, there have been a number of really alarming side effects that people are developing, um, you know, whether it be myocarditis or pericarditis uh, or these really strange white blood clot like uh, structures that develop in people's arteries and veins. And, uh, you know, that right, that right there, I, I've never seen a medicine or a vaccine that produced such alarming results inside the human body. And I guess I'm I'm bringing this up. Because I'm wondering if you know people in the medical field uh, who have had conversations surrounding this stuff. Because what I don't see are, are too many people in medicine, whether it's, you know, just doctors or, you know, maybe a couple of nurses more than anything else. But I don't see people having open conversations about what's happened to humanity since these vaccines were injected into the population. Have you personally, as a medical professional, had those conversations? Uh, are, are people admitting it behind closed doors? Behind closed doors, I have more interactions with patients that are uh, talking about um, how they've personally been affected or family members they know, close ones that have been affected. But it is a difficult conversation. I haven't seen it mainstream, and it wasn't something that we had. A, we tried to have a conversation um, with our instructors and 
various people with our university, but it was, it wasn't able to go through. Yeah. And if just to add into that, uh, since we were uh, removed from school, uh, Jamie being a chiropractor, we've opened up an office and, uh, or she is now functioning, uh, functioning, sorry, is now practicing as a chiropractor again and for doing functional medicine. So when she's speaking, I think seeing patients just to elaborate, it's that capacity now, um, not affiliated with medical school. Sure. Sure. Now, what was the response from your instructors and from the people in authority when you brought up your concerns and and said, hey, I I don't think I want to do this? Um, You had a Ryan had a Zoom uh, interview with our microbiology instructor, um, and you were bringing highlighting some of the adverse events you should talk more about. Yeah, we went. And and that event was very early on. We were discussing uh, a lot of stuff that questions I had, stuff relating to questions I'd asked for the CDC. And that one, it went pretty good in that moment. But past that, it was just an absolute um, apprehension to have any conversation at all. We would send uh, documents, and at some point, hundreds of documents, just to try to be like, yeah, um, this is not an open and shut case. You know, and it was still really early on. But there was no willingness to have a conversation. I mean, to the point where we were asked, uh, I want to say it in this manner, we were asked zero meaningful questions. And I would like to say zero questions altogether, but I don't want to miss, you know, a question that might have been asked, but nothing of any substance. There was no desire to have a conversation at all. And um, I think a lot of people, and this is just my opinion, you know, whether it be law school, medical school, or any professional um any professional degree, like you're just so vulnerable. You're so deep in debt, which is with a lot of things, a business. I understand that, but I think it's a unique situation where you have this pressure on top of you and you're young. Most of the time, really vulnerable. Uh, I guess in medicine, I, I don't really can't speak to the physicians or why maybe they're doing what they're doing other than they maybe uh, well, I can really can't speak to that at all. But I think that vulnerable of being removed from school is something that you're just going to do what you're told. You know, there's no, uh, there's no rebelling against that, or there's no challenging that. Uh, well, it and and certainly among the professional class, it seems like there's kind of this embargo on being able to have these conversations because uh, you know if you're in school as you guys were and you get kicked out, you know, so long to all the money, so long to all the time, all the effort that you guys put into those however many years it was. But if you're a practicing physician. And you've got, you know, I don't know, 10 years to retirement and you've got a successful practice or, you know, you're, you're running an ER or something and you want to speak out about something like this and then you lose your job. How are you supposed to sustain the lifestyle that you're used to? You know, how are you supposed to support your family? And it's kind of those existential questions that I think are, are keeping people from being honest about what's happening and, and actually coming out and saying something. But then on the other side of the coin, while they're experiencing those existential crises in themselves, people are dying. (laughs) We have people uh, who are being subjected to lifelong debilitating side effects as a result of feeling like they can trust their physician, feeling like these people in a position of authority have more knowledge than they do, when oftentimes either they don't or if they do, they're not willing to admit it. Yes, sir. And I think a lot of times, like, 
there's so much information out there and I'm not trying to in any way stand up for anyone. I mean, I'm not a practicing physician, so I can't again speak to anything, but I've had several conversations. I had a neurologist at a neighbor as a neighbor, an incredibly kind individual, very knowledgeable individual. But in this case, it kept being compared to the influenza vaccine. Hey, you've taken this vaccine, you've taken this vaccine when there's no comparison. I mean, it's literally Chevrolet's and, you know, the Scrite, uh, I was going to say the Chrysler building, but the Scrite. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you could say that. I mean, one's a car, one's a skyscraper, totally yeah. different beasts, you know? I mean, it, it, it's applicable. And uh, yes, sir. And I think there's just so much, um, there's just so much information out there. And when someone is given, they have that trust, you know, that the people up high are going to say, hey, this, 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 and this. Well, that was the briefing they might have got or the, you know, the information that they read. And so, you know, there's a lot of times no desire to question, but no time to question either. And um, and I truly believe with a lot of people, just speaking to people, I know that's a lot of it. And when I start having conversations, you know, it very much changes. You know, it's not that straight headbutt where people are, no, you're wrong, this, this and this, because. I mean, it's stuff that really can't be refuted. I mean, the central dogma of science, biology, you know, is DNA makes RNA, RNA makes proteins. And um, and that's kind of the whole point of, oh, sorry, uh, where all this is, there's that difference in a flu vaccine. You know, it's uh, there's many different forms, but more or less it's a protein and um your body's breaking it down and just showing it to the rest of your body. Like, Hey guys, if you see some of this, kill it. And that's working with your body. Um, just in the, in a nutshell versus this is, you know, very different. This is coming in at a much more foundational level of saying, Hey, don't listen to your body. And so that's not really an, an arguable thing, but I don't think people were given that information. I think most people just, I mean, I truly believe this. We're going about it. Hey, I've taken the flu vaccine. I mean, chicken pox, nobody has chicken pox anymore. And they took the chicken pox vaccine. I mean, and so I think that they're looking at this from this very innocent lens initially. I don't want to speak to that now because as you've so eloquently stated, there's case after case after case that people read about um, where pretty harmful things seem to be taking place. Uh, what was the study just too recently? I can't name the study, but something like 20% of people now in these open polls say that I know someone who they believe to have had been negatively affected by this uh, inoculation. And, and those are high. just the people willing to admit it. You know, I mean, like how many more people out there uh, actually have firsthand information or, or experience with this? Uh, now, when you were making your case to your school, did you make it simply based upon uh, your religious foundation or did you also put together your own evidence as to why this might not be a good idea medically? We both submitted religious exemptions. Uh, we didn't, uh, we didn't give them any details, uh, explanation or had to write out any long rationale of why, but it was mostly because it was just uh, shut down right away when we, submitted our religious exemptions. No questions asked about it. Um, it was, you're going to do what you're told. I also had a medical exemption. I had been seeing a provider for a year. The provider was actually one of the instructors at the school. And I asked them about it with a, with my history, another vaccine. And 
we came to the conclusion that it wasn't in my best interest. Um, so I submitted a medical exemption and it, no questions asked, but all of it denied. So, and it was a combination of those two while we sent so much medical information to them. I mean, the religious piece could have just been, well, we were asked literally zero questions about right. that, that should have shut the conversation down right there. But yeah, yes, sir. Um, but a lot of it was stemming from there were so many people that we knew in our class that didn't want to take the vaccine. But, you know, it's not something that I mean, I have an incredible support system between my wife and my family, you know, and uh, and hopefully vice versa. But, you know, we're in a different situation. And so but. Uh, so many people didn't want to take it. And so the medical questions that we were posing and being denied answers to in medical school <laughs> were um, pretty much based on the fact that she was getting a, a medical exemption or seeking. So the school did not care about the medical or the religious either. That's just fascinating to me. What about the other students? Uh, were they fighting back as well, or did they get the same answer and then just say, okay, and roll up their sleeves? It, it was a little bit of, they were fought, fought back a little bit, then denied, okay, well, what can I do? I have a family. I'm, this, I'm two years invested, this much money, this much time. It doesn't go to another type of degree. Um, we had another individual in our class, though, that refused to take it. So there was three of us all together. That that was the line in the sand. Um, others tried to get the exemption. When they got pushed back, it was, okay, well, what else can I do? So they went for it. Yes, so what, what? if you don't mind my asking, what school was this? It was A.T. Still University in Kirksville, Missouri. Is that public, private? Is it a religious institution? It is a private school. It was the founding school of osteopathy. It was our first pick um, because they advertise this holistic approach. The founding school based on A.T. Still, that was the father of osteopathy, and they have a holistic approach to wellness. We thought it was going to be a very different situation when we were going through it. Right. It's actually one of the founding principles, uh, so not at all trying to get into boring uh, details here, <laughs> but uh, it was founded by uh, Dr. Still, who was at the time an MD. And I, the licensing is a little different than it is now, but he was classified as an MD. And he was treating patients during the Civil War for smallpox. Mm -hmm. And at that time, late 1800s, I mean, he was, I mean, his books were released really late 1800s, but he was writing pretty extensively. And so, to know his thoughts or the details about this school or its founding is pretty unique because he wrote, I believe, four books and very detailed books. And during the Civil War, smallpox was killing, you know, many, many people. But he was struggling post-Civil War to treat soldiers who had been uh, had vaccine injuries to smallpox versus people who got smallpox uh, wild type. Uh, he was much uh, betterly suited to treat those patients. And it was because of that, the founding principle, well, it's the fourth founding platform of osteopathy is we will take no vaccines. <laughs> really? Yes, sir. I can't even believe that they would have that as part of their tenets and then force people to actually take this stuff. Um, 
it's 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 crazy to me how quickly people just like fell over themselves to allow this stuff to be injected into them. So, I mean, it took a lot of bravery for you guys to stick to your guns. Uh, you know, you have a number of salient points and arguments here that I think anybody could understand. And when it's coming from a medical uh, uh, person, you know, or somebody in the field, uh, they, it holds a lot more weight. You know, your average everyday person, you're working at, say, General Motors, and they have uh, a, a vaccine mandate, or you're working at the airlines, and they have a vaccine mandate, and you show up, and you've got a big pile of articles that you've pulled off online, but you guys have access to like medical journals and studies and uh, a a lot more resources, I think, than your average everyday person, not to mention like just the foundational understanding of how the body and all of these systems work together. Not everybody has that base level of understanding that that you guys have. Uh, And so just the fact that nobody was willing to hear you out and considering what your school was founded upon, that's just crazy to me. Yes, sir. It was pretty unique. And uh, I mean, and again, thank you for this platform to be able to speak because, you know, we've, it was a year ago, we were removed from class and we were starting our third year. And uh, about a month ago, we were actually removed from the school. We were on a leave of absence for a year. But during that whole process was trying to engage in conversation after conversation. And uh, when we are Four hundred thousand dollars in debt, you know, for those two years each. Is that a, a piece? Not between the two of you? Between the two of us. Okay, okay. I mean, that's still an eye-popping figure, right there. I was going to ask, you know, I didn't know if you guys necessarily wanted to say. I mean, I think everybody here knows that medical school is extremely expensive, and you know, the the the, the hope is that at the end that's going to pay off, and you're going to be able to take care of that, you know, in in short order. What about your service in the military? Did the military pay for any of your education? And if so, are you now on the hook to pay that back? Oh, man, God forbid. I hope not. Nobody brought that up to me. <laughs> oh, we uh, They did pay for my whole undergrad mm-hmm. and they paid for uh, a good portion. Or I don't want to say a good portion, but they did pay for some portion of my first semester. I believe, if I'm not accurate in that, but I believe. Uh, with the uh, yellow ribbon program, but um, I haven't heard anybody talking about taking it back. I hope not. I mean, I'm technically still in the military. Well, I I was going to ask, how did you get away with not being forced to take it as as a member of the military? I, so when it all first happened, I I don't exactly know what I'm able to say or not to say. So I apologize for my hesitancy. I, um, but I think that the rules were pretty quick to kind of put things on a pause and my religious exemption, uh, was extremely detailed. I mean, it's, I guess in this in this instance, at least in our view, um, it was more just like a very foundational thing. Like my DNA says, don't do this you're telling me to do this. This is the essence of being human. And so at this point, if you're going to tell me I have to do this and you're not allowing me in my view to be human to how I define it. And so that was a pretty uh, rock solid, I think religious exemption, I believe I'm not for sure, but um, so technically I'm still in the military, but I haven't been able to go in uh, for the last 
well, seven months now, eight months now. And so I'm in the reserves now since starting college. Okay. Okay. So are you in any kind of contact with them? I mean, do you anticipate that they're at some point going to say, hey, guess what? Come back to base or are are they just going to allow you to kind of fade off into the sunset and then give you a separation letter at some point? I honestly don't have an answer for you. And Mm -hmm. mine's not based around the COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine has kind of been um, the issue I'm having is with the influenza vaccine. Okay. And so at the same time, just through the research, I didn't anymore feel that I was, you know, religiously, uh, spiritually able to engage in certain parts of it and was ineligible to also take the influenza vaccine. And that's actually the piece that has kept me from being able to go in. It hasn't been the COVID vaccine. Yeah, I think you guys are in good company. I I don't believe that anybody here in the audience is a fan of either the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine. I've never had a flu vaccine. Uh, I've always thought that it was a crock. I never thought that there was a reason to get it because at best, uh, you're going to be dealing with a strain that would have hit you the year before. You know, there's no way that uh, they're going to have enough vaccine made up from whatever is current and you know, I, you get sick, you get better. I, that's that's just the way I look at it. My natural immunity uh, is thriving. <laughs> Do you guys remember? I don't know how old you guys are. I'm 44. And when I was a kid, they used to tell us to go outside and play in the dirt. <laughs> you know, I mean, like you go out, you get germs on you, your body fights off whatever sicknesses might be there, and you're all the better for it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. There's uh we were just speaking to someone. There's a unique, uh, I don't know what the actual... Uh, item or entity is but there's something actually in the dirt Mm -hmm. that they have found that is able to fight off like a large large number of bacteria viruses really uh, create natural immunity and it's this specific organism i can't think of it right now so probably shouldn't have brought it up but it's okay somebody in the audience look that up tell us what that is i think i've heard of that before to be quite honest with you but um you know i there are people who like eat dirt not a lot but but, you know i mean just like a spoonful or they take a little bit mix it up with some stuff and then you know at at the very least walking around outside without shoes on you know getting it on your hands gardening and stuff like that i mean i find that those people tend to be healthier than uh, the people who are like in a plastic bubble or wrapping four masks on their face and and wearing uh rubber gloves while they're alone in their car it's just kind of comical the way things have gone now now, when I was in Missouri, uh, I didn't see anybody acting like that. I mean, are, are people in Missouri, you know, pretty laid back? Do they understand that this isn't like the 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 world ending thing that we were told that it was initially? It's pretty laid back. I don't see a lot of. I mean, once in a while, you still see that driver that's in their car by themselves with a mask on, right? But overall, I think people are are coming. We're actually in Quincy, Illinois now. We came here uh, to go, which is five minutes from Missouri, right on the other side of the river. But we came here to do rotations or clinicals. And um, it was once we moved here that we were removed from our program. But even here, I mean, I'm not for sure. Sorry for asking. Where where exactly are you? I'm in Florida. Oh, that's right. I knew that. I'm sorry. It's all good. (laughs) It's not Florida good, but... (laughs) There's not a lot of people paying attention or not paying attention, but still, I think, held down by it should be. They're just going on living their lives. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
I don't know. It's it. I used to live in Michigan and in Michigan, the people there, you would think that like it was the movie outbreak or something like that. I mean, everybody was masked up. Everybody was, you know, standing six feet apart. It was pretty annoying all the time. And uh, there was even a a number of like official lockdowns where like the governor announced you couldn't go outside. you, You had to stay indoors. You could only go to the grocery store, all kinds of stupid stuff. But then moving down here, it was a just the complete opposite, like the antithesis of the attitude in Michigan. And everybody was totally cool. Uh, nobody was freaked out by anything. You know, I had COVID once. It definitely wasn't normal when I had it. I, I felt like it was something different because I, I lost my sense of taste and smell for a year. I've had a bit of brain fog, like things. I think it's a biological weapon. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I think it's a biological weapon, but not all weapons are designed to kill. Uh, this would be a really great way to, uh, you know, incapacitate your enemies uh, in a number of different ways. And and, uh, and I think that's what it was, and I think that's why it was released. You know, I, I don't want to get too much into the politics of it, I mean, but, you know, I'm sure that we're probably on the same page. But we're here to talk about your situation. So where do you stand with your education? Are, are, are you going to be able to transfer into another school? Are you going to be able to, you know, use those uh, those two years that uh, that you have under your belts already? Well, that's our goal. Um there's a couple of different options, but we feel as though what was the events that took place when this mandate happened, we started communicating with our school virtually via email when we first saw these signs of some of the, the steps they were taking. We only communicated via email, and um, our goal is to try to rectify some of these wrongs that we felt were policy violations against the law. Um, so we would like to continue our education. If it's through AT Still University, if it those things are rectified, that would be great. If we could go to another institution, I think that it's going to be, that's going to need to be taken care of at AT Still in order to get into another university as well. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it kind of, I don't know this, but just my hypothesis is that it's a tight knit group. I mean, it seemed like so many uh, schools kind of acted in concert and so, or not just schools, but the world. But if people are, you know, running parallel, then I guess if we're having an issue or things took place at our school, that it would be known at another school. So it's a, that is a fear we have, but we're very much wanting to continue our education. Uh, not that I don't like working for you now. I mean, it's, it's definitely a blessing, but <laughs> Well, that's that, I think that's awesome that you guys are, are you know still able to do something within the medical field and you get to work together. There's nothing nothing better than being able to work with the person you love. So yes. let me ask you this: uh, it, it, Do you think that there's any possibility that uh, that the country might relax and get rid of these stupid jab mandates? I mean, even down in uh, in New Zealand, Jacinda, she just announced that even in New Zealand, there are not going to be any more vaccine mandates and people aren't going to have to social distance anymore. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised because New Zealand was like the the most authoritarian nation on planet Earth. It was like they set out to vaccinate every single man, woman and child uh, on that island. And I don't know if they achieved it. You know, I mean, I, I think that it's likely that they did just because they don't have all that many people there compared to like say the United States but now they've lifted the mandates nobody's going to have to be jabbed anymore 
And, um, you know, it would be great if there was some movement to uh, to have schools and employers lift that, uh, uh, you know, that condition off of people so that maybe you guys could go back. I think some things will get loose, but I don't foresee, this is just my opinion, the medical institutions, hospitals, medical training institutions, I don't foresee them loosening. Really? I mean, they're so, I want to be optimistic. I mean, they're so, um, I think so many people that have woken up, that's not the right word, because I mean, so many people you know, doctors have saved so many lives and so much good. So I don't want to use the word woken up, but their opinions have changed. I mean, that, I mean, that's got to have an effect. I feel like if somebody's saying, Hey, I didn't, I didn't agree with the decision you made here and you pushed it pretty hard. I mean, maybe not. I, I don't think know. It would but... still be a mandate requirement, just like they do the annual flu. They might give out exemptions more so. I like to see them start recognizing natural immunity. That's one of the avenues we try to take. We both had COVID early on. Um, I don't recall the when time frame, but we tried to uh, prove natural immunity as well, um, so we could justify not putting anybody at risk. Uh, but but beyond that, if you don't own your body, if that's not something, uh, I don't understand. I mean, what? what more foundational thing as a human being is there? I mean, I understand like there's a lot of uh, people want to draw these parallels between like, Oh, you, my body, my choice and other things, but it's catchy though. (laughs) And it's, it's great to watch the liberals heads kind of explode just a little bit. You know, if you notice they have stopped using that as a phrase uh, to support the idea of abortion. And so, you know, it's a win in that way, I suppose. But I guess I was, there's nobody else involved in this. This is completely negative rights. You know, there's, I am just me on an island. This is still my body. You know, I know with other things, there are other factors involved. You know, you're pulling in other people, you're doing things. It's not a, uh, it's not a mirror. It's not a direct comparison. I mean, if I don't own my body and you can't say you're not putting this, whatever it is inside of me, what else is there? Right. What other line is there, in my opinion? Sorry, not trying to get. No, you're absolutely right. And that's an that's an argument I made very early on. You know, I mean, if they can mandate that you take this jab, this experimental genetic therapy, uh, then what else are they going to mandate for you further down the line? You know, like, oh, here, here you go. You have to have this chip in order to uh, to be a part of the banking and financial industry or, or you, you have to have this specific ID to go into this drugstore. You know, I mean, whatever it might be, yeah, they can they can use it as a bridge to a number of transhumanist agendas, uh, things that to me are, are really frightening that would push the boundaries of humanity even farther. You know, I think that you were right when you were saying earlier that, uh, you know, by taking this, this kind of pushes you further away from being a human because you're not yourself anymore. You're not what God made. Uh, and, you know, it's a it, that's an existential question right there. You know, I mean, if you are no longer what you were at birth and now there is something else, some other processes happening inside of you uh, where you are creating something completely different. You know, what are you really? Are you still a human? You know, do you even have a soul? At, at what point are all of your cells going to be completely replaced with this new genetic material that is the opposite of what you were when you were born? 
Yes, sir. I mean, I, I say yes, sir, in the sense of like, I'm hearing you. Yeah. But I mean, I guess personally, I think that like the essence of God is, you know, uh, pretty powerful. I guess sure. I would, you know, not at all. Um, I don't want to make it sound too simple. Like, I think like we can just like get rid of souls, <laughs> like, like nothing. But I mean, I, I feel like that's the mission that these people are on. They want to separate us from God as far as as they can. Uh, they want to patent us and they want to have total control over us. They see themselves as gods here on earth and they believe that our faith and, uh, you know, our foundations uh, are uh, it's an it's a deterrent to their ability to control us at the end of the day, uh, because if we have any faith in something outside of what we have here on Earth, then we've got something greater to live for. Uh, we have uh, morality and ethics, and for them, the only thing that they have is what's directly in front of their face. And so they want to be able to manipulate themselves. They want to be able to man- manipulate mankind. Uh, and they want to create a race of super beings and a race of slaves. That's what I think. It, it very much feels like, again, yeah. another dichotomy. Yeah. Like they're speaking to an internal existence just the same. Mm-hmm. And I say they, I guess, like colloquially is the right word, whoever they are. But there's very much this push of we're going to upload your memories. Sure. Uh, you know, in the furthest extreme of. Sorry, in the furthest extreme of the conversation, we're going to upload your memories into this computer or what have you. And so it's very much an eternal existence that is being spoke to Mm -hmm. uh, versus, in my head at least, it's a physical eternal existence versus the spiritual eternal existence. Exactly, exactly. This fight does, and I say it as a fight, it seems very real. I mean, uh, I can't even express, I mean, everybody has been through so much. But I just know us personally, you know, just the number of tears that have dropped and the pain that has occurred, you know, it very much feels like we have engaged in a fight. I mean, it might not be the fight that's in history books and the way that it's played out, but people are very much needing to, I guess, in my opinion, to decide, I think, what path you wish for next generations. And I might be speaking more into this than you were saying, but... Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is spiritual warfare as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I we, we believe that we have a soul. We believe that there is a life after this physical world here on planet Earth. But for them, there is nothing after this. This is all they've got. And that's why they want to create the ability uh, to extend their lives indefinitely. They want to be able to upload their consciousness into computers. Uh, they want to be able to you know, live forever in this form. Uh, because as far as they're concerned, there is no afterlife, there is no heaven, there is no God, there is no soul. I mean, it's just a collection of cells being animated by uh, electrons, I guess. Uh, and then once those electrons stop flowing and uh, your uh, synapses stop firing, then that's it. And you're just, you don't exist anymore. Yeah, game over. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, game over, man. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so uh, tell me about the organization that you guys started. Yes, sir. Um, well, I guess piggybacking off what you just said, um, we felt so many people are, uh, I don't want to say in harm's way, but in harm's way, like they were acting altruistically, so many people for across the country, across the world. You know, they were under this understanding that, you know, we've all been taking vaccines for however long. 
acting altruistically only to have, you know, a conversation that they might have thought, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done this, or maybe a health concern, or a lot of people are just, you know, it's still very, praise the Lord, nothing's happened, it's still, you know, in a good place. But with that, people not getting the information that we felt that should be gotten out, it very much felt like a calling. And the outlet for that calling also morphed into students across the world, whether it be undergrad students or uh, graduate students are very vulnerable and they're going into these institutions to where um, they are purchasing, they are consumers. They are purchasing this education, leasing this education, renting this materials, these items. And what they went in expecting wasn't what they received. And in every way, while they're there, there's nothing they can do. They're defenseless in any way, at least from my perspective, to say, hey, wait a minute. You know, I spent X number of dollars to get this, this, and this, and it's not happening. And a lot of times, you know, there's individuals that commit suicide because different reasons. I know in Missouri, uh, there was an individual in 2015, you know, it was a, such a tragic story. And his family has very much advocated for, you know, just to ensure that hopefully that never happens again. But that hit close to us because that was at our school. Mm-hmm. And um, but and not saying that those are related in any way, but just that pressure that the ed- education puts on you. You know, you're a very vulnerable individual. And um, so those things kind of all culminated to where we felt like there was an avenue to be able to touch all of those and through a, a nonprofit. And we we're very blessed to have another individual, our stepbrother, uh, Jeremiah Keller, who, uh, and his wife, Sarah, who have joined with us. And we opened uh, the nonprofit Light Eternal Institute. Light Eternal Institute. So you're providing advocacy uh, you're providing information, educational materials, because, Jamie, you had mentioned a number of laws that were broken. Um, can you tell me some of the laws that you felt were broken when they kicked you guys out of school and kind of denied you due process? Yes. Yeah, so the law that Ryan was just referring to was Missouri Show Me Compassion. And with our Light Eternal Institute um, nonprofit, one of the goals we had was to reach out to the student body to ask about mental health, just in general for these students. We had sent an email out um, within 24 hours. It was taken down by the school. But we're using using that law in order to reach out. Um, the university uh, can't go into everybody's emails and take this out when you're using that policy to uh, go uh, to ask a group of students about their mental state. Let me let me ask you, let me have I just want to expand on that. So you sent an email out to every student uh, and, and, you, and tell me the content of the email. You, you were checking up on people's mental health as, as a result of like the mandate or uh, people being told that they couldn't not take it. Not or- necessarily because the mandate um, itself, but that would have been part of it. I mean, that was a big hit to our mental health, our mental state. Yeah, yes, very much so. Yeah, we had sent it out to three different classes, um, medical classes, the one below us and the one above us, and to find out if there were 
any dangers, but it was a study in line with uh, the goals of our nonprofit just to see if there was others who were in a similar situation health-wise, mentally, physically, spiritually. And um, whether it be from, you know, you didn't want to take a certain medical procedure, but also you went into a university expecting a certain set of things to occur and they might not occur or any number of, you know, um, we were in lockdown as medical students and, you know, everyone had so many challenges, I, not at all taking away from that, but, you know, we were locked down as medical students in our home. And as much as, you know, you love each other when you're in a cubicle and just speaking to us personally, you know, and trying to get through medical school over online stuff. And I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed anyway. And so it was a challenge that, I wasn't prepared for, and uh, everybody a- gets stir crazy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Our online institution was longer than we were in person, and some accommodations could have been made at the time. A lot of labs were shut down. Um, just a lot of opportunities that we expected and we paid for. Yeah. Nothing was compensated for. You still paid the same amount, um, but you just didn't receive the same curriculum. Yeah. That, that, seem, that seems like a bit of a bait and switch, a bit of a misdirect. A lot of their, I know you asked me about law specifically, but and there were a lot of their policy violations, ethical violations, scholarly activity. Um, in the beginning, we reached out to three professors in an email. You had mentioned about we had access to some research articles. We had attached uh, three or four research articles. Could you please comment? It was just to have an open discussion of scholarly activity. These are the chairs of these departments. Um, and their response was, we agree with the university's mandate. End of, end of sentence. Um, later on, when the investigation was underway for some of these policy violations we reported, the, the head chair was like, the response was, I have no idea why they reached out to me. I don't know why they asked me um, those questions. Not to cut you off, um, but I mean, what he said, I don't know. It, maybe not be stating that accurately, but, you know, that is what we had engaged in and done. Well, I was just speaking to the yeah, policies. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Other I don't mean to cut you off. I just didn't want to speak for somebody else, I guess. Sorry. Other laws. You had some other laws that you had mentioned too. Oh yeah. I mean, in every way there's a Missouri law that's deceptive business practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if I'm, I mean, we were uh, accepted to another school, had already paid money to another school and we left that school to come to, to go to the school that we did. And it was their marketing. It was what they sold. It was every way, Hey, this business provided a better product, I guess. And what we were expecting, we didn't receive, whether it be, I mean, I don't think that looking back, COVID happened, we wouldn't have uh, maybe even been aware to so much that we are now. But looking back, I was never taught, me, you know, what the difference between spiritually and mentally was as a provider. And, and maybe the case is that's third and fourth year they teach that, but we've reached out to many people and uh, I haven't really found that to be true. And it just seems like 
in a lot of ways, what is being taught to people is very pill driven. Pills have saved a lot of lives. You know, pharmaceuticals have saved a lot of lives. But I guess in the way that we went to a DO school, we were very purposeful that that was a last resort. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I personally need to go jogging every day. I mean, I I need to be out there instead of, you know, not being out, which we have spoken to numerous legal authorities over to address. I mean, it was, in our opinion, deceptive in every way. So have you had any positive action, any positive movement on that end? Like, I mean, who would you speak to? Like the attorney general of Missouri or, uh, per, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any interest in, in helping you guys out or in investigating this as a, a case of deceptive business practices? Well, the, when we went to go see the attorney general, um, we didn't speak to him directly. We got to we had several conversations with other individuals uh, within his office and it wasn't, it is to be continued, I think, but it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't something that there was a, the interest that we had or viewed in the same way. It, so it, it was not as good of answer, I guess, as I would like to give. <laughs> So what do you guys hope to do with uh, with the foundation? Uh, are, are, do you have any active ongoing projects? I mean, is it just the the, the website where people can go to get information? Uh, have you had any specific, particular success in helping individuals? Um, the main project is a separate website is Healthcare Students United. And so okay. the Light Eternal Institute is a human and civil rights uh, focused organization and diversity is so much more than, you know, uh, any one thing that I think is commonly labeled <laughs> so, color and sexual preference. <laughs> it seems to be a lot. Yes. Yes, yeah. sir. It's not diversity of thought. It's not diversity of, you know, as a healthcare provider, if your goal is to keep somebody alive, but if I'm so opposed or somebody else is so opposed to something that they're not going to do it. It's going to cause this mental anguish that could end in their life ending. You know, all that stuff is a part of it. Like that conversation, that diversity of ideas. And um, and so diversity is a big part as well of our nonprofit and, and um, equality. But the main project that we're doing right now is Healthcare Students United. It's, uh, and I don't want to, if you would like to go, I've been talking a lot, sorry. But uh, there's so much that could be done to protect students. I mean, it's so much that could be done to, in our opinion, just completely have a change of education. Because every policy, every time uh, a university or a business, for that matter, writes a policy, that's a protective measure. And so if something happens and you can say, hey, this policy, uh, if it was, you know, enacted appropriately, this wouldn't occur if students had that information, if they had a resource to be able to utilize that, that's a protective measure. And it's being able to express, you know, with each other, their civil right to have conversations openly and not feel like they're going to be um, vindicated or in some way punished for having certain conversations.
but I think the big piece we want to do is have a, a Carfax, <laughs> but have this students should be able to know what other students are thinking about universities. You know, I should be able to look up uh, some resource and go, okay, students feel like they got the education they paid for, mm -hmm. or they didn't feel like it was quality or the professor's you know, weren't engaging or, or whatever the case may be. But right now, as far as I'm aware, there's no resource where you can get quality data from what students feel about their institution. It stays pretty hush-hush, I feel like. And so a big part of it is wanting to do surveys, mental health, uh, physical health, you know, spiritual health, but also your views on your ability to speak openly um, your views on your education so that you can put it out there or we could put it out there for students to be able to go, okay, if I'm going to pay for this or if a mom and dad says, I'm going to pay for my uh, son or daughter to go to this school, we can expect they get what they're paying for or what their time more importantly is being spent on. So do like a series of exit surveys as uh, people are leaving uh, school at the end of their degree program and then upload them uh, to the uh, centralized website. You know, the, the only problem is that what you're proposing could potentially be dangerous to the business model of these uh, of these higher learning institutions, because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's been my experience that they just think they know better than everyone else. And so therefore, that's one of the reasons probably why they don't want people uh, to have a service like this available to them, because it's kind of like, ah, oh, you don't know what you're going to get until you get here. And then once you're in, you know, <laughs> at best, it's going to be another semester before you can go someplace else. And you've already given us, you know, $25,000 or whatever it might be a, a lot more, I suppose, when you're in medical school. But um, uh, have you had any uh, particular success reaching out to individuals? Do you guys have any type of presence on uh, on campuses? Uh, do you have the ability to get in touch with people and, and kind of start your network up? Because and the reason I ask this is because you mentioned you sent those emails earlier and the school actually went into everybody's inbox and deleted them. That's, uh, you know, pretty drastic measures right there. Yes, sir, it is. And would you like to. It isn't. Uh, we're just starting out. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time that we had tried to enact uh, one of our agendas with that project and we're having to rethink a few things and mm -hmm. take uh, get some advice and counsel in other places but it very much is a passion that is with us for life now and this will be something that we will push for in every way um, because people in our opinion, at least. I mean, I've been to, we've been to, we were at Paw Pot. I mean, the killing fields in Cambodia. You know, I've been to Auschwitz. I've been to Dachau. I've been to, you know, Argentina, these, you know, areas where genocide has occurred. And I say that to say like all over the world, all throughout history, um, there is a pattern where individuals feel that they can put their hand on the back of someone else because they feel they know better. And even if they do know better, I guess, in my opinion, if that is the case, maybe you, that's not going to lead 
anywhere to where you want it to lead, or at least in our opinion and historically speaking. And so to be able to see where so many things are forced on others, that's not something that we're, that's not a fight that we're going to give up. I mean, good, good. You guys need some some grant writers uh, so that you can get some of that federal money uh, to be able to have massive outreach campaigns. Because, I mean, there is definitely value in what you're trying to do. And uh, I would hope that you're able to break through and uh, and get some success with this. And, you know, uh, hope and pray every single day that they're going to lift the mandates in the areas where they still have it. You know, I, I don't I don't want to speak about anybody in my personal life, but there are people that I know that have been forced to take this because they were in pretty much the same situation situation as you. And it was the same deal. They had learned when they were already well into the program that they were going to have to go ahead and take it. Uh, And if they didn't, then they were going to be kicked out. And they just went ahead and did it. Didn't matter what I had to say. Didn't matter how much information I had, uh, because this was their life stream. You know, I mean, it's what they wanted to do. And thank God they're okay. But I know that a lot of people out there are not. And you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, it's, it's a long time between now and uh, the end of your life. So, all right, we've got a caller on the line, you guys. It's DJ Vector. He's actually our Australian correspondent. We're going to bring him in, and uh, I think that he's enjoying the conversation. He, he, he's he got his own show. Oh, he just said, don't hurry. Sorry. <laughs> I already brought you in, buddy. I already brought you in. Go ahead and unmute, Vector. Hello, Are you there? Jackie and Patrick. Uh, yes, I am. Hello, Zach. It's oh. a pleasure to be here again. Uh, uh, can you hear me five by five? Yes, I've got you. Yep. Hello, Mr. And hello to the audience. Hello. Uh, I've been listening to you this whole time, and uh, I think you're a lovely couple, and um, I really love your story. So just wanted to let you know how impressed I am. And um, we had some questions from my own audience, and it's like, uh, I guess to get straight into it, how do we make these institutions accountable to their students' futures? How do we tie the financial success of the students and their success generally to the institutions? How do we get the, some skin in the game so they have a, a responsibility and they they have a reason and incentive to make sure that their students leave with uh, the right qualifications and an opportunity. Otherwise, why should they get paid in the first place? Yes, sir. I think you're going to have to pull a bug's life. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the movie, but like the ants stand up against the grasshopper. Like, yeah. I think yeah. the students are, uh, and I don't know That's- if that was directed, uh, Sorry, to answer if I you guys, ask. you guys are a single unit. So if if one of you answers a question, but the other one, by all means, you're welcome to also chime in and and give your own opinion. It's totally fine. <laughs> Jackie and Patrick, I can't believe that they did this to you. Like I'm sitting here appalled. Like I know we're going through all of this hardship, and it's not like it's not ideal. But you've been studying for three years, from what I understand, and then they pull it from under you. Um, I have a friend who is a nurse, and he did three years of a nursing degree here in Australia and he was one placement away from completing his qualification and, and getting in, in, you know, he had a really good job in the hospital. He started as an orderly and all that sort of stuff. And he is very talented. Now he can't do it. So he's going out on his own and making furniture and doing his own thing because he refused to be vaccinated and his wife as well, who's also a nurse. So there are people that are in the same position as you and that they don't, they just don't have a choice. So a lot of the people I think that are left in the, the nursing industry, the the hospitals, the police force, all these people needed to get vaccinated and we don't have any independent thinkers anymore. And it's really disappointing. Um, and I pray for these people. I hope they're going to be okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yes, sir. Sorry to hear about, you know, that situation with uh, individuals you're really close to. And I, Australia, at least from the news that I've seen was um, 
a very challenging situation that, you know, a lot of people probably here couldn't even relate to. Mm -mm. Yes, sir. I was going to ask Vector if things had had eased up at all. I mean, I mentioned uh, Jacinda over there in uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, your brothers and sisters in New Zealand. Uh, they don't have to take the jab anymore. You guys don't have to uh, uh, to, to social distance and, and do all the weird stuff. Are they letting up at all in Australia? Yes, they are. I don't know about Victoria as much. It's still quite strict, but things are being lifted, and we got elections coming up. But as far as in New Zealand goes, oh, I think all oh, those, oh, do you, you think know. there's any any uh, <laughs> any coincidence there? They're letting up right before the elections. No, well, this is normal. This is their modus operandi. You right. know, they, they do the tyranny, and then they let off a little bit so that they win and they they just brainwash everybody because they have the mainstream media who are just as evil in Australia uh, brainwashing the public. And we have a you know just four four to six channels that just everyone's sucked in by and they're. They're watching all their reality TV and their sport and their gambling, which people in Australia are obsessed by. So that's a bit really? of a bread and circuses. Yes. Uh, as long as, you know, they're, they're, their life's not too badly affected. Everyone's wearing masks still. If you go on public transport, wow. lots of masks everywhere, lots of vaccine problems and injuries. So I'm not focusing on Australia for obvious reasons that don't need to be explained, Zach, mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I'm keeping my focus on the United States of America and... um because it's very dangerous. But I was going to say one thing that people treat you the way you let them treat you. So if you stand up and say no more and that you will not comply, uh, you'll be ungovernable. I don't mean break the law by goodness gracious. No, don't break the law. Uh, But remember full armor of God, uh, you'll be unbreakable at the end of the day. There's nothing that they can do to us. We have God on our side and uh, who can be against us at the end of the day. So I pray for all of the people that were forced into this. I don't know what's going to happen to all of the military servicemen and all our frontline workers that were forced to be jabbed. I think that this was a very specific, very well thought out, deliberate attack. And um, we're going to see the consequences of what's what's happened um, in the coming years. They did it slowly, Zach, uh, Certainly. Jamie, and Pat, because if people start dropping dead like flies, people will notice that stuff. Now we've seen all the athletes that are getting sick and uh, that's that's a bit of a problem. Lots so, of doctors uh, too. In Canada, I don't know if you guys have been following this, but I mean, it seems like every other day there's uh, like a 32 year old doctor who dies in the midst of a, a like a cycling marathon or something or somebody, a golfer. I think there was a 16 year old kid uh, about to be a golf pro died on the green, you know, just slumped over the uh, uh, the steering wheel of his golf cart. I mean, it's just it, it's over and over and over again. And uh, I know that, you know, we kind of exist and, you know, I'm we colloquially as my audience and I, but we exist in this bubble of information, you know, where we seek out stories like this. I mean, we're, we're looking for these things because we're tuned in to the fact that this stuff is happening. And, you know, I realize that the people on the outside of that, those people that are kind of absorbed by the mainstream media, I guess, mirage. Uh, they're not seeing these things or, or they see somebody die and they're told that it's sudden adult death syndrome, which is the most ridiculous oh, no. thing I've ever heard. Uh, are, are you guys familiar with that? Did they ever did anyone ever suggest that to you as a new way that people can die? Just the sudden adult death syndrome. It wasn't covered in our. No, <laughs> or I don't remember it being covered. Have you heard of it, no. though? I have now. Okay, okay, okay. Well, can I I say something? Go ahead, go ahead. Zach, uh, Zach, is this, to to Jamie and Patrick, do you think the sudden infant death syndrome, which I'm sure you've heard of, SIDS, uh, is is there something more to that? Is that got to do with uh, 
infant vaccines, of which there are many now. So there's a lot of incidents of of sudden infant death syndrome over the last 10, 20 years that I'm aware of, at least in Australia, that's been heavily covered. Whether, you know, you've covered your baby up too much in the cot or whatever, and the baby ends up dead when you wake up in the morning. So uh, I'm suspicious of that. I'm not casting any shadows, aspersions. I'm just speculating, uh, making a hypothesis. I don't know. As far as sudden adult death syndrome, well, uh, I, I don't know about 32-year-olds that are healthy athletes that are just dropping dead like that. That's so rare. I mean, I know young people that abuse themselves, taking drugs, doing all kinds of stuff, and they're not dropping dead like that. So something up, you know, something else is up, obviously. That's uh, uh, quite a shame. Uh, I don't really know what to say here, ladies and gentlemen. I I think you're onto something there, Vector. I mean, because SIDS, as far as I know, there has been an increased prevalence of it over the years. And, uh, you know, one of the major... I guess, uh, um, factors that's been introduced is uh, the preponderance of vaccinations that are given to children, you know, more and more at a younger age. Uh, was Have you guys ever considered that? As far as? Well, the preponderance of vaccinations to the number of SIDS cases. Sudden infant death syndrome uh, and vaccines in particular, because when Zach and I were younger, we only got... A, a few vaccines, maybe eight, ten, something like that. Now they're getting like twenty. It's a totally different story. So, uh, what's what's going on with that? Is there a connection and uh, a connection with autism as well? I'd like to know about that and Aspergers. I don't Go think ahead. we could speak to it medically, but just looking at it, you know, from the positions that we're in. But looking at it from the outside, as far as I'm aware, there's not a single study that will that does take an unvaccinated population, a large population, and over a course of a decent period of time and compare it to an unvaccinated population. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like, seems like that would be one of the first uh, studies, you know, a meta analysis that I would be looking for if I had, you know, any type of position of authority. I mean, to reach out and to say, okay, well, how many, because the information I would only assume would be there, especially Mm -hmm. now with the information that has been taken. Um, And as far as all the individuals that are being reported, I don't, I don't see what other correlation that, that, that could be than the events of uh, this era that we're in right now. I mean, so I haven't read enough to see that, you know, each one of these individuals were, uh, vaccinated, but I do know that you couldn't play in the U S open the tennis mm-hmm. open if you weren't vaccinated. So that I would only assume that everybody there was and in each one of the other corresponding, uh, sporting events. And so where people are having all these issues. So and sir, and ma'am, did you see the controversy with, um, sorry to interrupt you, N- Novak Djokovic and his yeah. inability to play the Australian Open now, Novak Djokovic in Australia is a big star around around the world. And I mean, like, huge, very popular. He's been very good to the Australian people, especially when there were the bushfires uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago. He was right there, donated money. He's, he's, he's been excellent. Now, for them to have treated him like a criminal like this is such a serious issue, especially for the Serbian-Russian community, which, of course, are being marginalized right now because of what's going on in the Ukraine. Um uh, and it's very disappointing. So I still see things about Novak not being able to play and being restricted from traveling. I also think that maybe they're getting in the way of him uh, breaking records as far as his Grand Slams go and um, 
they want to restrict him because they don't like his politics, they don't like his religious beliefs, and they don't like that potentially has some kind of a stake in um, a COVID therapy company that isn't vaccine related. And I think that that might have been a motivation for why they did what they did in the first place. So if they can target people like President Trump, Novak Djokovic, I mean, they raided Mar-a-Lago and they went through Melania's undie draw. This is like, what, this doesn't happen, man. This is like, oh, let's go through Michelle Obama's undie draw. No, well, let's please not actually. Uh, but you know what I mean? Or Laura Bush or Hillary Clinton. This doesn't happen. This sets a dangerous precedent for the country. And how humiliating is this for the United States of America? I consider myself an, an honorary American. So from my perspective, watching this happen, I'm really embarrassed. And it's like, how the hell could you let this happen? Like, what the, what the hell is the rest of the world thinking? No matter what, he could be having, he could have uranium in that drawer. But like, come on, dude. It's so embarrassing. It You're really right. Is. Like, oh, it's true, ahead. man. I mean, you know, uh, you kind of uh, hit the nail on the head earlier, Patrick, when you're talking about, you know, Dachau and Auschwitz and the killing fields, you know, Khmer Rouge. We are practically living in, uh, you know, a totalitarian regime at this point. I mean, we're one step away from them rounding people like us up and then pushing us out into the street and shooting us in the back of the heads into a, a giant hole in the ground before they, you know, signal the 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 the, uh, the supreme ruler with uh, their red salutes. Uh, obviously, that's a little hyperbolic, but, you know, I mean, that's the way it feels like it's going. I mean, they want to control every aspect of, of what we do, what we say, how we think, what we feel, what we put in our bodies – uh, and, uh, and and where we go from here. And, you know, obviously rounding up the political opposition is a major, major uh, indication that we're moving towards a, a more authoritarian form of government here. Yes, sir. And I don't understand a lot how the judicial system is looking at this from, you know, this public safety point of view, because these measures that are being taken, maybe there is, let's say hypothetically, this is in every way of public safety, and it's going to save everyone's life. Well, what is taking place with that that will occur two generations from now with this level of uh, control that people will have? And then when you take historically what happens when individuals have that level of control, it's it's not a, something that you can just say, hey, we're going to do it better. That doesn't happen. You know, that's a fairy tale that just, or it hasn't happened in history that I've ever read. And so, which I, I need, maybe I need to read more. But wow. I don't understand how you can make these correlations public safety when these measures are going to come with inevitably uh, a large hit to the population as far as, you know, your freedoms and what governments have the ability. It's so greedy. Patrick, they're greedy. They're doing it because of money at the end of the day. And yeah, they want us to pay them for extermination services because the greater agenda from my perspective is the the depopulation agenda. agenda. I've said this to Zach and Lisa privately. The government is not your friend. They hate you. They want you dead. They want your family dead. How much more clear do I have to make it for people? Like, and they want you to pay them for extermination services. Ask Henry Kissinger. He's quoted as saying this. They're going to use food as a weapon. You're seeing it now. You turn off the fossil fuel, as Peter Tickton said, and you turn off the food. You turn yeah. off the population. This is what this is about. You turn off the water, have a look at it from a much bigger perspective. This is the agenda, the depopulation agenda, because they can't control 8 billion people. They can't do it. And they don't need us anymore. They have all their robots. They're going to trot out soon and everything's going to be automated. So all the useless, the useless seeders, and you can kind of see where they're coming from when you look at half of the country and you're like, man, damn, I, I don't even know what to say about these people. Like, 
this, are these people for real? And they don't know even kids where their food comes from. Milk comes out of a plastic bottle and meats in a packet. They don't know that this comes from animals and stuff. And if you think that um, I'm just making it up and it's hyperbole that I'm describing to you some of the dumbest people in the history of the world that now become extremely dangerous for us because, I mean, like, like what are we supposed to do? And now nobody wants to go back to work. So there's food rotting in the fields and the supply chain is being broken down, whether it be the train systems, whether it be energy. I mean, look at look at Germany now. Who's laughing now? Trump said you're going to be dependent on Russia for more than half of your oil and gas. And they laughed at him. And well, who's laughing now? Pretty mm-hmm. hilarious. Really. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I, you know, Patrick, what you were saying earlier, I, I personally believe that this is all by design. I mean, I agree with Vector. I mean, they're always ta- the people on the left, you know, the the environmentalists and, uh, uh, you know, the, the people that are liberals by and large. They're always talking about overpopulation and they're always uh, uh, saying that, you know, we're a burden on Earth. We've got to reduce global population. How do you reduce global population? I mean, you have a culling. OK, you go through and you exterminate a certain number of people or you reduce the birth rates. And I think they've just achieved both of those things in one fell swoop uh, because uh, for I have read a lot uh, uh, uh studies that were initially done when they were first testing out the jabs. I think like 98% of the women who were pregnant that got the jabs miscarried uh, or, you know, well, I mean, yeah, they ended up not having the baby to full term. And so that was it. You know, no child uh, made it through those vaccine trials. Uh, and since then, there have been uh, anecdotal reports anyways of, uh, of of people continuing to not being able to have babies. Their fertility is impacted I believe I saw a study the other day that uh, the sperm of men who are vaccinated is is also impacted in a negative way. And certainly people have died as a result. You know, I mean, we were just discussing it, you know, uh, uh, throughout the, the earlier part of the show. I mean, people all over the world are, are dropping dead with no real plausible reason other than they took the jab. You know, I mean, uh, you see it. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've spoken about a number of people high profile people that have died mysteriously at a younger age. And yeah, you're right. We don't have a hundred percent certainty that they took the jabs, but I mean, I, I, I know that they made the airline industry take it. Uh, I know that they made the military take it. I know that they made the medical industry take it. I know that they made the entertainment industry take it. And, you know, you look across that cross section there and you can see that there have been a lot more deaths that have occurred that otherwise may not have. And, uh, you know, anytime they have like a 28 year old guy who dies at night in his bed, you, you know, I mean, you just you know, you just know that this has to be from the jab because that just didn't happen a couple of years ago. That's a murder. But it, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Patrick. It very much feels like a correlation that you can't pull apart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, speaking, I mean, not at all trying to change what you're saying in any way, but I don't feel that. The only way that can, we can combat it is not looking at stuff, and maybe I'm changing the whole conversation right now, so I apologize. But if we come at this stuff with like a sense of anger or a sense of you versus I, it's everybody's going to pull into their own foxhole or go to their own tribe, and it's you know only going to bury itself deeper. I think there's a sense of you know people were truly acting altruistically. That's like a whole camp of people. Mm-hmm camp of people right now that you know, they can't undo what that has been done 
And if you have other people that are coming at it with, um, you know, I, why'd you do that? Or something negative, sure. you know, you know, they're going to have that sense of, well, I, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm yeah. Nobody stay. wants to be attacked. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. And so if like we come at it with, you know, Hey, this was not what it was sold to be. This is something that, and that's what we're trying to do as far. I would love to get a hold of all these pastors. Like I do not feel that the spiritual religious piece is out there. And you had spoke to the changing of DNA. And I think that in a lot of way, that's something that's like our DNA changes constantly. Like our body is designed Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not speaking to that being good nor bad, but changing the DNA could be horrible, but our body's designed to be able to handle that to a degree. Sure. If I'm not mistaken, like chicken pox, your body is taking that up. And later in life, you know, you're a more frail state, you have shingles because, you know, your body has been able to keep that in bay and now it's expressing that. Um, I'm perfectly comfortable with the natural processes that you go through as you, you know, get on in life. You know, I mean, however your body uh, uh, evolves or, or adjusts to what you come into contact with, that's one thing. But when it's something that's brand new, that's built by man in a laboratory, and that we have no fundamental understanding about what processes those are going to initiate in your body, what's going to happen down the line. I mean, take as an example, uh, the polio vaccine. After they introduced the polio vaccine, we had an explosion of cancers. You know, that just wasn't the case before. And uh, uh, there, there's a famous uh, audio tape out there of uh, Maurice something or other. I can't remember his name, but he was like, uh, 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 he worked at Merck, okay? And he was like, yeah, when we were making the polio vaccine, we know that it had SV40 in it, which is this monkey virus that we knew caused cancer in the laboratory. They put it out there into the population and everybody got cancer and he was laughing about it. Like they thought it was hilarious, you know, just, and, and, and when I'm saying like us and them, when I'm talking about like these different groups, Make no mistake, it's the elites, okay, and it's the plebs. We are the peasants of the modern world, and these elites, these autocrats, these intelligentsia who think that they know better than us and who have absolutely no compunction about injecting cancer into the population or injecting uh, a virus that's made from pieces of AIDS and a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, and having no concept of what it's going to do. Those are the people that I think we're fighting against. This is really like a a spiritual battle. This is good and evil. Those people are evil. And we, the unsuspecting regular people of the world, uh, are just trying to get along and and live a a long, healthy and fruitful life. Yes, sir. I I don't know if that's too out there, but. (laughs) Allow for a purposeful change. All right. I'll concede what I was saying. I wasn't looking at it, you know, from that lens. And yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Okay, right on. Good, good, good. All right, Vector, anything else you got for these people? No, I just wanted to thank you for everything that you've done, and I'm sorry what's happened to you. So let's hope that uh, we get some exposure for you. And I I just wanted to also pray for people in the Patriot community that have had accidents now that are in desperate need of uh, help or prayers, both medically, financially, spiritually, anything uh, like we are here for you. We are one community. And uh, I just wanted to also say thank you very much, Zach. I was pretty surprised and taken aback when I rang into your last show and uh, I spoke to Clay Clark and he's like, oh, do you want to come and speak at the Reawaken America tour? And I'm like, 
How cool wow, is that, huh? Very rare that I, I'm lost for words, bro. So I just wanted to let you know how much of a pri- privilege that is. I'm working on getting a passport, a visa, all kinds of stuff. This is way harder than I thought. So yes. uh, yeah, it's I, not I, a quick will, process. Doesn't mean it's impossible. And yeah. I'm literally considering writing to judges and uh, the US ambassador to Australia. This is how retarded this has got. So I won't, I won't say where I'm at at this point, but it's really hard. It's expensive, but I am coming one way or, or the other, like legally, lawfully, peacefully. I won't pay the coyotes to take me into the country. Don't worry. <laughs> Good, good. We don't want you to get human time. trafficked into America. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's a first class service. But anyway, look, uh, I, won't, I won't go there. Uh, what I would like to do is thank you all for your service. I love you very much. And I like without you, we wouldn't have a movement. We're going uh, right from the grassroots, right to the top. We're connecting everybody up. And I do feel that something special and biblical is happening. So thank you very much, Jamie and Patrick. You're such a lovely couple. Like, I, <laughs> I can't believe it. So you're gorgeous. And uh, yeah, have some kids if you don't already have some straight away. Uh, and uh, Lisa and Zach, I love you. I love Red Pill Mom. I listened to some stuff that Red Pill Mom sent me a little while ago. She knows what I'm talking about. Right on. And I will get back to all of you very soon. So uh, that's it. Vector out. Much love to you. Love you Thank too, brother. You. God bless. We'll see you soon. Peace. Yeah, that'll be great. I can't wait to see Vector here on the on, on the on the shores of of America. Uh, so yeah, guys, you know, uh, it, it, speaking of <laughs> making the next generation, we need people with strong moral foundations, uh, people with uh, uh, conviction and faith to have the next generation of intelligent people here in America, because we're going to have a lot of making up to do uh, once all is said and done. Um, I'm really, you know, maybe I I sound a little jaded at times and uh, I think about things a, a little darkly, but I really do have a lot of hope for the future. I, I know that this is just a temporary situation that we're living through. Um, you know, this is war that we're in the midst of right now. And uh, maybe it's not a hot kinetic war, but people are certainly dying and there's certainly some evil things happening behind the scenes. You know, uh, where are you guys uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, continuing on having a family? How long have you guys been married? I don't know this. Yeah, Jamie, when are we going to have? <laughs> I understand you have a career and everything, you know. But oh, I no, mean... I didn't mean it that way. I was just being sexually like I was trying to make a joke. I'm not funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm not funny. No, it's something that we are praying for. And it's just waiting on. Okay. The stork to bring it in. All right. Hey, well, we here we here at Red Pill News will continue to pray for you that you guys are blessed with many children because we need this out there. You know, um, uh, let me see. Did anybody else have any questions out there? Uh, let me go through the uh, the 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 gold pills over on Foxhole. Uh, White Hat. Hey, White Hat's here. He said, "What's up, fam? Love you. Good to see you, buddy." Janice, thank you for the cookie. Doug, thank you for the cookie. Johnny, dangerously, thank you as well. Sean, as well. Mott Poker says, thank you for all you do, Zach. RP78 from the start. Appreciate you being here and sticking with me. Happy Strummer says, when they lose their emergency use authorization, it's game over. Is there anything that you can think of that you want to ask the audience for? Like, you know, do you need the assistance of certain types of people with certain skills? Like lawyers or grant writers uh, or anybody that could assist you in your mission and help at your nonprofit? Yes, sir. And I mean, in every way, okay. uh, all the above. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. We're very blessed. Uh, I think with, you know, us and uh, Jeremiah, what we have, but it is in no way what we would like for it to be, what we feel called for it to be. So um, yeah, anybody that has 
the desire to be a part and reach out or even just want more information and to we would love that love we're that. looking for chairs to hold some departments um anybody with especially with healthcare background we're looking for chairs and um uh legal help for just we have some attorneys that we've spoken to for um, advice and different routes we can go and that would be beneficial anybody that's also fighting for our country fighting these things and we'd love to talk to you yes. all right well i've got a whole network of people in legal and healthcare field that are involved in fighting back against mandates and uh you know a, a lot of stuff in this sector so I'll, I'll do what i can to put you guys in touch how can people get in touch with you what's the best way um, probably the best way to be reach out to us on our website, uh, through our, the email that's on each one of the contact pages through lighteternal.org. Um, outside of that, we don't really have, we have a true social account and we have a gap account, but it's not something we're very active at right now. We're just not able and kind of spread, but we do share our email very, very frequently. <laughs> what, what, what's your truth social and, and gap accounts at light eternal or at, Patrick and Jamie, or what? At Light Eternal Institute. At Light Eternal Institute. Okay, sweet. I will follow you, and I'm at Red Pill 78 We got a whole bunch of good people. I think just about everybody here in the audience has a, a truth social as well. Let me see. I think there was a couple of other... Okay, yes. I think that there was something that came through on Cash App. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, Mike. Mike. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate that. All right. Anything else, you guys? Anything else that you want to make sure? Oh, wait, we have another caller. I guess let me take that. I was about to wrap it up, but let's see. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Can we get a name? Hi, this is Principal Enigma. Pri- I was just I thinking a- about you today, Principal Enigma. How are you today? I got to mute the screen. There we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. You couldn't Great. hear it. I could, though. <clears throat> no worries. I am fine. Um, I tried calling in last uh last week when Clay Clark was on and somehow I got tangled up in the phone system. I, I initially called a different number than the one that was posted, but mm. I, does that actually make a difference? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, it, yeah, they're all, they're all zoom numbers. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, I know that there is a whole variety of numbers that you can call, but um, I don't know if there are different numbers that if you call, you'll get to Zoom, but you won't get to my call. I, I don't know. I just I always pass out that one that's on screen. Yeah. All right. Well, you had other ones, too, at one point. That's how I, that's the yeah. reason I have them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but, I just uh, I just deleted them and I just put that one up there. So I don't know. I, I, I would say just to err on the side of caution, always call that one that I have on screen there. And actually. You know, now that I'm looking at it, it's completely different from the other ones that I'm seeing. So I don't, I don't know. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. <laughs> okay, yeah, the six four six is new. That was that last week is the first time I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's anyway, your what's uh, your question for uh, Patrick and Jamie? Well, actually, I, I didn't really have a question. I had encouragement. Okay, and uh, you know. If there's any chance you guys can get to a better school or hopefully this school gets better, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that they do want to continue their education because uh, that's very important. However, let me throw something out that um, I've been studying. One of the reasons I've been silent on true social for the last several weeks is because I've been doing a lot of 
deep thinking and, and studying. And one of the things that has really been blowing my mind is uh, the fact, uh, the, the realization of what I've been seeing by studying the Jubilees in Scripture and also um, uh, looking at Daniel 12. Because I, if we were an audience of thousands of people and you would ask everybody to raise their hand who thinks we're near the end of time, I'm, I would imagine probably a good majority of people would probably raise their hand. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think people really understand how close we could potentially be. And the reason I say that is let's consider the fact that he created this planet or he created everything in six days and on the seventh day he rested. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when the fall took place, one of the things that was stated to Adam is if no, it, one of the things that was stated to him is that on the day or in the day that you eat that fruit, you shall, you shall die. That was, that was the thing that was stated about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what's kind of interesting about this is we know they fell and they lived, you know, he lived 930 years. But let's consider the fact that in Ezekiel, I believe it is, or Jeremiah, where it states it, uh, a thousand years in God's sight is as a day. And for the longest time, I wasn't exactly sure what that applied to. But I'm beginning to really seriously consider the fact that it very well may have applied to the fact that he's going to give us 6,000 years to get it right. And the beginning of the seventh millennium will be spent with him in the kingdom. And that is just upon us because he was baptized 27 AD. 2027 is exactly 2,000 years after his baptism. 2027 is also exactly 6,000 years. If you study the Jubilees and retrograde them backwards, you'll find that the fall of Adam and Eve took place roughly 60 years after the creation of the planet, which was 4,033 BC. They lived for approximately 60 years before they had Seth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that places that takes the Jubilee back to uh, thirty nine seventy three, and that's exactly six thousand years before twenty twenty seven. Just throwing that out for people to think about, and I and anybody out there that's into studying scripture, I really highly suggest that they look seriously at Daniel chapter twelve, because chapter twelve, the time frames that are mentioned in chapter 12 are not to be interpreted a day for a year. They are actually literal days represented in chapter 12 of Daniel. That's representing the last seven years of this planet's existence. If people really want to know what's going on right now, get your heads wrapped around chapter 12 of Daniel. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Anyway, Any thoughts, I, guys? I, I hope... I Any mean, thoughts? I, yeah. I... I struggle with that personally. I mean, I'm by no means like probably anybody to speak to something of religious, you know, for having the number of mistakes I've made in my life <laughs> and the way that I'm about to. But I struggle with the the rapture and the way that a lot of people, and not that he's wrong in any way. I mean, I have no idea he'd be 100% correct. And I definitely will look at Daniel 12 and we'll read that. But I mean, there's so many people uh, on our planet 
and so many people around us, brothers, sisters, neighbors, that, I mean, if your belief is that we are going to come together back in this oneness, and if it is that Christian view, the, the focus on Christ coming back is something that I'm, I struggle with because it's not something that's going to bring, bring more into that flock. Like I'm thinking in my head, we need all the time we can possibly get. You know, if the goal is to bring every piece that is broken away from the oneness back into harmony, then we need all the time we can get our hands on. And, um, and, and I'm not at all saying that you're wrong and not at all saying in any way that that's not the best way to look at it. But in my head, I was like, I'm just keep digging for it. And I know right now is this time when so many people are like, the end is near, you know, and, and not that it's not, I, I have no idea. I'm not as well versed as I should be in the Bible, but I'm wanting more time. And my, my focus is on every time I'm kind of hearing that I'm wanting to say it may be true, but I don't feel like that's something that we should want to happen or something that I personally. Well, trust me, I haven't, I've only scratched the surface of what I could tell you, but we don't have time to do that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you have any more callers or not, but uh, no, no, that's it. We're we're going to wrap it up after this. I apologize. Well, I know meant to upset or in no way meant to disagree. I was just having. No, no, that's no. I'm I'm not taking it that way at all. I'm just I really all I wanted to do is put some food out there for people to for people to feed on a little bit. Right. On. You know, give you something to think about. Daniel 12 is is extremely important. It really is because I really believe we are living in that time right now. Yes, sir. I've already admitted that I was wrong once. I mean, <laughs> it may happen again. I'm going to go read Daniel. To, We're all like, among friends. It, it, you know what? I always I always tell people on the show, it, it's a far more interesting conversation if people have differing opinions. Uh, and one thing that's missing from today's world is the ability to sit down and have a, a you know, a, a good old dialogue, you know, discuss things and really pick it apart. People, they don't want you to be able to do that today because, uh, you know, people don't think critically. It's just, you know, it's sad, but that's the, the way that they have kind of uh, structured this world so that people will just get angry and resort to, to emotion and violence. And we don't need to do that. We're all good here. But well, Principal Nigma, go, go ahead, bud. I was just going to say, Zach, if you and I ever had the opportunity to sit down and talk to each other for a couple, three hours or so, um, I think you 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 would find some of the things I come up with pretty fascinating. Oh, I I always do. Believe me, I always do. In fact, uh, you know, I and, and DJ Vector, I I part of why I told you what I told you in my call was in response to what DJ Vector was saying. Because he, he, he even made mention of the fact that he feels like there's something spiritually going on in the air right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Trust me. Okay. One, uh, now, if, if indeed what I'm thinking is correct, there are f- seven things in Scripture that have never been explained in Scripture. Okay? And that's the seven thunders. Can the, you seven thunders the seven thunders uh, are... Uh, is, when Daniel was asking for an explanation of that, uh, the Lord uh, basically said to him, you're going to close the book up because the explanation of that will come at the end, during the period, during the end, okay, which I believe we're in right now. And I, I, there's one source of information that I'm pulling from right now, and I want to find out if this guy, in fact, I haven't talked to this guy yet. I, I really should have talked to him before I had this conversation on the air, but uh, um, the guy that wrote this book, uh, did a really amazing job with his research. 
but uh, one of the, the first thunder he states is very intriguing what happened in the, during the autumn of 2020, and that's when paganism takes control of this country. That did happen, didn't mm. it? It could be argued, certainly. Okay, and, and uh, something, he points to the second thunder being in the summer of 2021, and that one I'm having a hard time with, okay? I don't really see how that is beginning the 490-day period of probation, which is another subject completely. But that, it, that is, this is all in Daniel 12, okay? Also, uh, Daniel 12 needs to be understood within the context of the whole book and Revelation. <laughs> Those two books really need to be studied together because they cover the same periods of history. Revelation expands on it a lot further. But in order to really understand Revelation, you need to understand Daniel first. So it, it, this stuff is really fascinating. But Daniel 12, I believe, is where we are right now. And Daniel 10, 10 and 11 leads up to it. All right. Well, very I'll, intriguing chapters. I'll, I'll check it out, and I suggest the audience check it out as well. So thank you very much, Principal Denigma. Appreciate your call, buddy. All right. You have a good evening. God you, bless you, and keep you safe. God bless, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah, you know, for me, it certainly feels like things are weird out there, but... I have no anxiety about if or when it's going to be tomorrow or another day, because whatever is going to be is going to be because it's all part of God's plan, and I'm just here playing my part in it. So uh, in the same way, you guys are doing the same. But uh, I would just like to, you know, close out the show by asking you guys, you know, do you have anything in particular that you want the audience to take away from your story or from tonight's conversation? Yes, I I very much would, actually. That comparison of the COVID vaccine being able to be compared to anything else. It's subversive genetic therapy is what it is. And just something, I guess, just to chew on. You can't go left and right at the same time. It's just not a thing. Like, I know we all, like, if you're following somebody to somebody else's house, you're behind them and their vehicle. Like, you may slow down, you may stop for a Pepsi, but you're still following them, you know? Um, And when you get to that person's house, that might be 30 minutes late, but you're still following. But if they take a left at the stop sign, you take a right at the stop sign, you're not following them if you go to a different place. And I use that analogy just with this vaccine. That if, it feels that way to me. It feels that way to us. I don't want to speak for you. And just to give it some thought that it's not something, at least in the way we view it, is it's not like anything else. Or except maybe the one thing that we compared it to earlier, it just feels very much unnatural, and I think it's something worthy of your time. It is very much a a spiritual thing, you know. The religious exemptions that you know so many people spoke to. Uh, the I think there's something there. I guess that's what I wanted to say. This, and, and Jamie, this view, this rationale, we have it laid out. Um, I'm trying to put that together. It took us months seven eight months to write that out it's all that exemption that viewpoint is on our website anybody can check it out use it whatever whatever is called to them if they need any kind of explanation for their exemptions then they're welcome to the pdfs on our website yes very much so okay and once again that's lighteternal.org yes sir yes Yes, excellent okay so also light eternal institute on truth social and gab 
I want to thank you both for being here. I have a couple of quick thank yous to say from uh, Rumble. Uh, KX2 said, thank you, Red Pill. Salty Zero said, sudden adult, sudden adult death syndrome excuse is one of the lamest reasons I've heard to explain something that is so obvious. One question, what changed in the last year and a half? Hold my beer. <laughs> the only thing that changed in the last year and a half was the jabs. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I was shocked and uh, amazed when they started using that phrase out loud uh, you know, with like zero irony. Trying to, uh, you know, get people to buy into that. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, Then Just Revere says, The seat at the table is uncomfortable and the food tastes an awful lot like crap. Sue and make them pay for your chiropractic school and your medical school and have a thriving family practice together. Palmer and Still, OG, based in Red Pill. Glad you're here. Okay, awesome stuff. Uh, So, yeah, I wish you guys much success. Uh, I hope that uh, you can stay in touch with me and let me know uh, what happens. Uh, And I would like to stay in touch with you and get you in touch with some of my contacts in the medical and the legal community. And if there's anything I can do to, to, to help you, Get the foundation off the ground and uh, and support your mission. Uh, you know, maybe I can point you in the direction of some grants. Uh, you know, I would be happy to help in any way that I can. That's amazing, Thank Mr. Payne. So Thank you so much. Thanks for allowing us to come on your show. And it's an absolute blessing. I Absolutely. Mean, absolute blessing. All right. Let me pass out these gold pills to the viewers over on the foxhole. And... There you go. The scratching has been released. All right. Uh, I am going to be off tomorrow uh, because I'm flying to Ohio. Saturday, Lisa is going to be running the stream for the rally here from the house in Florida. Uh, I'm going to zoom in and uh, and I don't know, I guess give an on the spot report, but you can watch the rally from here uh, on my channel like normal. Probably going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If President Trump or Jr. is going to be on any earlier, then we may start the stream earlier. Just keep an eye out. I will put an announcement out there on Telegram, Truth Social, and all the other requisite social media platforms. Uh, But until then, uh, wish me luck. uh, Wish me a safe flight. And uh, I'll see you next time. Good luck, everyone, and God bless. And God bless both of you for uh, for what you're doing, for the mission that you're supporting, and uh, for coming here on the show tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll see you guys. Pray for you for tomorrow. Oh, thank you very much.